Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. That's really loud, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm your host, Richard Geiger, here with my co-host, Mr. Ken Seymour. Well, hello, everybody. And today we have a really fantastic discussion of what's it going to be? Well, it, it could be uh, our favorite board games from when we were children. Ooh, I do like me some Parcheesi. Yeah, shoots and ladders. But no, we will be discussing more comic book movies. Mmm. What, pray tell, do you mean by a comic book movie? Well, as you might be aware from our, what, six previous, no, there's five previous episodes at this point in this particular series, a comic book movie as defined by us, which is obviously the best definers that you can that you can get. The most important. That's right. Is any movie uh, based upon a comic book previous to the publication of the movie. So it cannot be a cartoon and then be made to a comic and then it's made to a movie. No, it has to be a comic book first. Although it could be a novel before it's a comic, just as long as there's no audio-video component to it before the comic book. And then, of course, we kind of focus on English. So, English. <laughs> I, I speak a little bit of other languages, but not a ton. Uh, so if it doesn't really have to have been made in the United States, but it has to have been made in English, and the movie has to have been made in English. Um, now that we will be having some that were made in Canada, some that were made in uh, you know England. In fact, there's some that were made in Mexico. But, you know, in English. So they, they count on this list. Australia? Uh, yeah, uh, one, I think. Um, but anyway, so that's basically all there is to it. It, it. We've rambled on about this a couple times. If you've listened to this series, you know the drill by now. Five times we've rambled on about it. Yeah, well, a couple, three, uh, whatever. We had one that was all fancy and laid out. Yeah, we got lazy. I got lazy. No, I'll blame that on me. I got lazy. But uh, all right, so let's. If you if, if you notice a little bit of hesitancy <laughs> from us on this one, we're about to to tackle the first of two sections of years. Maybe you could argue this is the second of three sections of years where comic book movies were a little lacking. You could say there's a couple highlights in there. Yeah, there's some highlights. Like our last episode had one or two that were really solid, but the rest of them, yeah. Well, that same thing's going to happen to to you in this episode. Now, I want you to I want you to approach this as a listener, uh, as an endurance race, but a, a pleasurable one where you're going to find out all sorts of information that you didn't know before about movies that you're never going to watch. It's the memory lane factor. Maybe you did watch. <laughs> Maybe them. you did watch them. I don't know, but uh, let's let's begin at the beginning. Our our year that we're uh, running into is 1997. Uh, is this the yellow uh, the year of Bell Biv DeVoe yet? I, I'm not sure I remember exactly. That seems right to me somehow. It's right around this period. Yeah, all I had was really poor radio and a couple CDs at that point in time. Yeah. So, 1997. I think that was uh, no. It's definitely past Bell Biv DeVoe at that point. I'm I'm way out of the time frame because uh, that's that's college years. Uh, <laughs> Bell Biv DeVoe was high school. I know I had a. Uh, Cassette tape with some Belle Bib DeVoe on it. Yeah. So, so. This, this is this is where I was really getting to that grungy goodness. But anyway, that's a completely different topic. 
We're going to uh, start each year kind of with what we think is the least likely that you will have watched. Uh, and in some cases, we will not have watched it. And then we'll just kind of go over basically what it is. So hopefully a lot of you are really comic book oriented people, comic movie oriented people. Maybe you saw some Marvel movies, maybe you saw some DC. If you got a chance to see the most recent Justice League movie, which we reviewed, a lot of people really trashed that movie. We may have been some of those people. Had some work to do. Had some work to do. Yeah. As bad as that was, it was not the first Justice League movie. In 1997, there was a Justice League of America movie made. It was technically a a TV movie. And I'd like to go over the cast with you. However, I'm not going to for the most part. I'm only going to bring up a single name. And that's uh, John Kassir, uh, who played the Atom in that particular film. And it's only kind of of note to me because he did the voice for the Crypt Keeper in all the Tales of the Crypt movies. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. Um, It looked like uh, I never watched this. I didn't even know it existed until I started researching these things. Uh, The casting actually looked pretty good in terms of the the actors that they chose for the roles. The costuming was pretty decent. Um, For what it could be. For what it could be. At that time frame. Yeah. And they chose uh, Guy Gardner. Uh, Green Lantern, which at the time was uh, probably an interesting move. Uh, maybe not the most popular of the Green Lanterns, but I always liked that character. I'm really not going to go into any details with that. I never watched it. Didn't know it exists. Haven't had a chance to watch it. I now really want to watch it when I get some free time, but uh, it's going to be a ways down. Uh, this is our first opportunity for you to visit our website. We have a forum. If you watch this movie... Tell us about it, please, because it looks like it could be either just a gem that we completely missed or horrendous, and I kind of want to know which one it is. I'm going to guess it's the horrendous, but I could be wrong. No, Someone's know. got a VHS of it laying around somewhere. That would be, be great. Um, but now let's go to something that some people probably actually did watch. Uh, it is a sequel to a movie that we've already talked about, so I'm not going to go into the origins of the character uh, or the origins of the comics, but we've got... Casper, A Spirited Beginning, also in 97. Um, So I know one of your favorite actors is in this particular movie. Didn't you tell me how much of a Steve Gutenberg fan you are? Um, Well, Three Men and a Baby uh, is my jam, so... (laughs) Well, you know, any, anybody looks good standing next to Tom Selleck because he brings out the best in everybody. He's a classy gentleman. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, no, I mean, the Police Academy films, I mean, that's classic. Yeah, he's been in. He's actually been in quite a few movies that I, I feel like people have watched a lot or made a lot of money uh, or did well in his time frame. He had a, he had a hot streak. Yeah, he did. Uh, short circuit, like you said, uh, like we didn't say, we were going to say uh, another good movie. Yeah. I felt like a lot of people watched that movie, and that's just scratching the surface. He's got a lot of films that he was in, and 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 he's he's fun. At least I always found him fun. Some people described him with words like bland, and I never got that. I always liked I always liked his stuff. Um, but you know, we got uh, a trickster, a funny man, uh, Jim Carrey. If he were Kind of older and out of shape back in the eighties and nineties. Poor guy just doesn't get any respect. No, he doesn't. Rodney Dangerfield was in this. Uh, I love Rodney. Oh man, just the one-liners. But 
I can't imagine they could have let him do much in a Casper family movie. <laughs> no. It must have been just not great. Can't let Rodney be Rodney. No. Uh, but Michael McKean was in it, who I love in anything. This dude is just fantastic. I mean, his his um, most recent thing that I watched him with Better Call Saul, I mean, the, the job he did in that the character was written fantastically, and he just nailed it. I mean, he's always good. And, of course, he was in Clue, and uh, this is Spinal Tap. We've talked about Michael McKean before, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about him again. He's He pops up a lot, and deservedly so. But Richard Mull, right? Yeah, I like that, dude. He's good. And uh, it's... it's I love I love Night Court. I can't help it. It's just uh, the bold character. The whole... I think... One of the things that I grew up on, and I, we, I've mentioned this before, is syndicated television that was um, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night on NBC, CBS. I didn't have cable, so I just had the standard things. But after that, they had syndicated stuff that would kind of roll out. And Night Court was always on, like just late at night. I'd always watch that show. It was so good. It's one of my favorites. And he also pops up in other things that I always really enjoyed. Things like he was in a Highlander movie, which was... I could see him being rather entertaining. Or one of my favorite little gems of movies of all time, Sidekicks. I think I'm one of just a handful of people that must have watched it. But it's Chuck Norris. Uh, you got Bo Bridges and and uh, Joe Piscopo. And I mean, come on, man. And you got Richard Mull in it with a really great part. Um, but Sherman Helmsley. I mean, moving on up, sort of, kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of remember him from that show, of course. Um, but what, gosh, what, what, what was the movie? Uh, what was it, Half Baked? I think it was Half Baked. He wasn't in it, but um, was it was it Half Baked? They referred to weed as Sherman Helmsley. Yeah, uh, it's hard not to uh, hard not to to think of it that way. And of course, Ben Stein makes another appearance. We've talked about Ben Stein in the last episode. I think we may have talked about him in the previous one before that. Mm-hmm. He pops up in a lot of movies and bit parts. A lot of people have dry eyes, <clears throat> apparently. So now I'm going to venture that the uh, that the plot to this movie was not involving the death scene of a small child. <laughs> They're probably talking about his beginning as a ghost in the house and just completely ignored the part where he died. But uh, I'm kind of curious now and I kind of want to go see it. And especially with that cast. I, I never saw this one. Um, it was a theatrical release though. So it hit, it hit theaters. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on past this since we can't make much Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. So now let's move on to one that I saw. Um, <laughs> Hopefully you didn't pay to see it. Uh, no, I did not, thankfully. But uh, also in, in 1997, uh, a, an actual superhero movie came out. It was about a man that stood for justice and honor and helping the little person. And, and it didn't kind of come out quite the way I think people expected uh, Steel now are you familiar with the Steel character uh, he has a he's kind of like a, like an Iron Man suit 
Yeah. Low, low grade Iron Man suit with a big hammer. Yeah. Yeah. The giant sledgehammer. Okay. So John uh, uh, Bogna, I'm going to completely just destroy these names. I apologize. John Bogdanov. Bogdanov? Bogdanove? Sure. Yeah. And uh, Louis Simonson uh, created the character in 1993. Now, the character was created during this bubble that we've kind of talked about where there's a lot of speculation of comic books and everything that happened and uh, and so everybody was thinking that they were going to buy these number one comics and they were going to fund their kids college education which of course didn't happen and maybe not the culmination of but one of the big blips on that was the death of superman mm-hmm. well after superman died in quotation marks there was a whole storyline about the rise of the superman well, there are four people that were all claiming to be Superman. There was Superboy. Uh, was he Superman? No, he was a clone, clone. of Superman mm-hmm. and Lex Luthor. And there was the uh, there was the the Eradicator. Eradicator. Uh, who he was, wore some glasses. Yes, he did. He looked awful neat, and he was actually the computer from uh, the Fortress of Solitude, basically, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, then you had the cyborg Superman. Oh, I got injured really badly in that fight with Doomsday. No, uh, Hank Crenshaw, he ends up destroying uh, uh, Coast City in one part of this. So he's a bad guy. And then you've got Steel with maybe the weakest <laughs> claim to Superman. Yeah. yeah, I know I'm wearing a suit of armor, but it's more the spirit of Superman that passed it to me. That yes. was the explanation. Oh, it was so laughably bad. Well, see, there is currently a you can you can buy watch the I think they might even pop into theaters here at this time frame. We're in February. Um, a there was a Death of Superman animated movie yep. and Reign of Superman yep. animated movie. Also, they kind of tied all those in a visual perspective. Besides the comic book. And I kind of read some summaries on that, and there was a lot of convoluted nonsense in that whole storyline for the original comic book, Um, including Mr. Steel here. You know, he wasn't quite as convoluted in a sense. He was just kind of more a straight, he wanted to be a symbol type thing. And And I, I do want to clarify, when I said it was just kind of ridiculous, I don't mean the character, just kind of... My claim to being Superman. That one tiny facet just made me laugh when I saw it the first time. Yeah, if you if you see Steel in some of the Justice League cartoons, like he's, he's cool. Solid, yeah, and I wish they were there was more of him in like. There's a couple characters like him and Mister Terrific. Oh, they were Mr. just Terrific's fantastic. Just, just underrepresented in the Justice League cartoons. Those you know two three seasons worth that were out there. And I always wanted to see more of them. But the Steel character was really cool in that cartoon. Yeah, the Mr. Terrific, I mean, he's he's in the Arrow show. Uh, there, There is that character. I, I'm super excited, yet at the same time, I was like, it's Mr. Terrific, but not really. You're missing some stuff that makes him really cool in the comic books. I, I really wish you'd bring some of the stuff from the comic books. I understand you can't have him be too powerful because he's going to outshine a guy with a bow and arrow. But still, come on. It's, oh, anyway. So, yeah. So that's that's the concept. But what the movie ended up being is Shaq in a bad costume with like a, a really bad costume. lack of plot. 
Well, I mean, it's not fair. It's not a lack of plot, just not a great plot. Uh, simplistic, not, not, it, it just, it couldn't deliver. It was just trying to bank on the fact that Shaq was popular and very likable because he was popular and he was very like, still is. Yeah. How can you not like Shaq? Um, but yeah, the only other things that kind of struck me in terms of uh, like the people that were in the film, Ray J's in it. He was like a thing for a couple months. Yeah, he was in a film. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh and Judd Nelson, who I adore, Judd, put Judd Nelson in everything. I, I'm perfectly happy with that. He does a fine job in the uh, picture performances that he's in. Yes, yeah. yes, he is. So, so I would like to, uh, I'd like to go over the plot of the film with you. I'm not going to, not because I don't know this one, but it just depresses me every time I think about it. It is not worth talking about. I, and plus, we got plenty of other movies that we're definitely going to dig into deeper. I don't really want to spend any time. Yeah, on this it's one. just kind of a. Bleh. If you want to laugh and you've got some time, and or maybe like doing your taxes at the same time, or just want something in the background, sure, throw it on. It's it's a giggle. You'll probably change the channel. Um, all right, so let's move on. To something maybe, maybe some people thought I thought was really cool at the time. Did you see the next one on the list? Oh yeah. For sure. Uh, gosh, I, 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 I might have even seen this one in the theater. I just can't remember. Yeah. So 1997, this, you know, talking about the speculation, also resulted in some new companies coming out, including Image. And Image produced several comics, and one was a clear winner over all of the others. It just took off in popularity. Not talking about quality of art or quality of story. I'm just talking about how people grabbed onto it and, and ran, and that was Spawn. And because of that, that's why it got the first kind of real movie incarnation of any of the image stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Spawn, if you're not completely familiar with it, is interesting. It's a Todd McFarlane. I mean, if you, if you don't know it already, and it was uh, created in 1992, so the comic wasn't real old at this point. Um, so the whole concept is, are you familiar with the, the Spawn character? More or less. Yeah. More or less. Okay, so so dude dies, makes a deal with the devil uh, uh, to basically see his uh, loved one again. Uh, and, of course, it's the devil, so he completely messes it up. He wants him to be uh, uh, a, a leader of his, or at least a member of his demon army. And so here you have basically ultimate power. But it's limited. Each time you use it, you now have less power. And when you run out of power, you're mine. So he has that, and he's got essentially Venom as a cape. It's just a sentient suit that can do all sorts of stuff. Mm, yep. Um, and it's, it's kind of an interesting concept so that you can both have somebody that's essentially omnipotent, but also not at the same time. It, it, it created for some, some interesting story ideas. And, of course, it's Todd McFarlane, so his art was just outrageously good. Um, he did, he's, he's written for other things before that oh, that yes. brought him into his own world. Oh, sure. Right? I, I had his first, to my knowledge, his first artwork in any comic. I had uh, an All-Star Squadron 
uh, with Dr. Fate, I, I believe was his first art for a major company, uh, comic book company for DC. That was uh, a crown jewel in my collection that my father lost. And I, I'm still a little salty about that. But um, so the movie, uh, we were talking about this a minute ago, Michael J. Michael Jai? Michael Jai White? Is Michael it Jai J. or Jai? I think it's Jai. Uh, it's, I always think Jai because of the T. Chai, Chai T. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Michael Jai White. Um, he's just kind of fun whenever you see him in something. He played the lead, played Spawn in this movie. Kind of like his first big role? Kind of, kind of, yeah. I mean, and he's shown up in some other stuff. I mean, if you haven't seen him before, there are a couple outside of this movie that I really enjoy. I mean, he was in The Dark Knight, a smaller part, but one of the mob bar- mob bosses mm-hmm. that gets uh, uh, ambushed when he puts a, a bounty out on uh, the Joker, right? Why so serious? That's right. But uh, if you haven't seen Black Dynamite... Which is kind of a take on the black exploitation films that came out in the like the seventies, but it's like a, a bad kung fu karate film too. Oh man, it is funny. It is not family friendly. Um, so if you're going to watch it, do not watch it with children anywhere nearby. But you will, if you like that sort of thing, it's really funny. Um, so he takes the lead, and he does a bang-up job. Now, you got to understand, if you're going to watch this, if you haven't watched it before, it's 1997. Special effects are still not great yet. Uh, they're still working on CGI, and it's there's a lot of practical effects. There's a lot of kind of real... Um, it's, it's, it's a mix, yeah. for sure. But for what they had... I think they did a really good job. Uh, you got Martin Sheen playing one of the antagonists, uh, you know, the untouchable kind of rich a hole uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of character yep. uh, that uh, that uh, Spawn does not like very much. You've got uh, John Leguizamo, who is just one of my favorites of favorites. I love seeing him in anything. Now, in this film. Oh, it was it was rough. I don't know if I like his take on the uh, Violator character very much in this particular film, uh, just because it's really kind of well not on the nose. That's not the right description, but it's so so cartoony. Mm. Um, he 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 didn't put a lot of nuance into this particularly. He, he played him off as kind of a. a well, it's kind of like the Joker, but less serious. Yeah, now, because I'm not familiar enough with the character to know, like, is I feel like that's the type of character that it actually is. Think well, kind of. So, at least, and this again, I'm going off memory here because I haven't read Spawn in quite some time. But the Violator is a demon in human form um, that is kind of keeping an eye on the situation, is ready to kind of make things worse and uh, make sure that uh, he uses up his power as quickly as possible. Uh, but he think, think of Spider-Man's kind of quippiness, but very, um, very much more evil, very much more. There's a clear menace in what I'm saying to you, even though I'm joking, you know, I'm not joking. 
that's the way that it's kind of put across. And we got the joking part, but not really the serious part. Yeah. And so it just kind of missed. I, I don't I don't need a clown as the bad guy. I need, and since the CGI wasn't going to be able to pull it off, he, he was wearing that, that uh, for lack of a better term, fat suit to mm-hmm. make him into, it, it just didn't work. It's maybe the one role that I've ever seen him in where I don't think it quite hit correctly. And I don't think it's his fault. It's just... It's it, it's a rough thing to try and put into film, especially in the way that they're doing it. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the movie I think had a lot of misses yeah. in it. Just from a, even if you weren't familiar with the character, and then you just went in to watch the movie, as a lot of people I feel like are, and to a certain extent, with comic book movies. Even though there's a history of the comic book, they may just go in blindly to the movie because the movie looks cool and it's fun and that type of stuff, and they yeah. don't know the background, which is oftentimes better because if you have a you know you go a predisposition when you go in, you expect the character to present it, be presented in a certain way. When you know when it's a movie, it'll never happen in that certain way. Yeah, unless maybe it's an animated movie, of course, but. And it, it turned out okay. Michael Papajohn was in it. again. He's in a ton of comic book movies, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean the plot was pretty straightforward. It pretty much took straight from the comic books. Goes on with how he was killed, how he's trying to come back to uh, to his wife. Uh, if I remember, I don't I don't remember if they did it in the movie or not. But in the comic books, when he's finally able to take a human form where he doesn't look like a a walking. Uh, corpse uh he is a black gentleman but when he turns human he's white <laughs> which is awkward to say the least uh, when he tries to uh think of that he's going to be able to present himself as somebody that she might recognize which is rather humorous um but uh they, they added some things they rushed some things it just didn't quite work yeah but still, even with all that, it was a fun watch. And it's, you could see where comic book movies were going to go by watching this. And it was exciting just for that reason. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a better interpretation interpretation of that movie in the one that's being made now. So, going from a film that had potential to it and showed you what could have been to a film that was taking a series that was kind of good at first and just starting to run it into the ground. Uh, No, not starting. Finishing running it into the ground so that we wouldn't see it again for quite some time. Buried. Um, Let's go with the uh, always reviled (laughs) Batman and Robin in 1997. Oh. This one is a stinker. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch just to kind of see... Where we are now compared to where we were, and be very grateful that we have the quality of comic book movies that we do now. Yeah. And it's it's not like it was all bad. It's Schumacher again, right? Um, and you've got star power. You got Arnold Schwarzenegger as as uh, Mister Freeze, and you've got uh, George Clooney taking the cowl uh, because he's you know. Got the handsomeness factor. Yeah, super at that popular point. at the time. Very popular. You got Chris O'Donnell returning as Robin. You've got Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. I mean, Uma Thurman is awesome. I love her in most things. Oprah, Uma, Uma, <laughs> Oprah. Alicia Silverstone as uh, Batgirl. I mean, she was super popular at the time, right? Um, 
John Glover. Not fully realized as Batgirl. No. Until the end. But still. Uh, John Glover was in it briefly. John Glover, if you're not completely familiar, played Lionel Luther on Smallville. But he has like a, a role as like a, a scientist in this film. Um, like one of the little bright spots that I loved. Uh, L. McPherson is in it, if you're familiar with you know, models. Was it L. L. McPherson was the wife, right, of Mr. Freeze? Is that who that is? That's that? probably right. That sounds right. I'm not 100% on that one. Uh, but Vivica A. Fox was in it with the best name of any character in the film. She was Miss Behaven. Oh, got jokes. Yeah. Jokey jokes. That's one of the redeeming things for me because I love puns, and that's just fantastic. But um, the plot was muddled. There is a Bane in it, too, which... Gosh, that's true. The Bane that was in it was not like the Bane from the comic books. The Bane that was in it made me very, very sad. (laughs) It was not a good Bane. Well, to be fair, none of them really were good representations. The closest, Uma Thurman's uh, Poison Ivy wasn't terrible. It just wasn't the Poison Ivy that we wanted. It couldn't be because she had nothing to really play off. No, no. Um, So, terrible. Okay, okay. I want to be as fair as possible. Costuming that did not live up to the expectations that I had. Going into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there will be people that talk about bat nipples for bat. decades yeah. to come. Uh, so I'm not even going to get into that. The presentation of the combat that harkened back to the 60s Batman television show, which if you're going to have a theatrical release that's supposed to be taken seriously, that is not the way to go. Yeah, that was weird, right? That was really weird. Um, and, and the colors, all the colors. I, I... I just, I, it was, it was just, and I, and and Mister, I don't know, the number of catchphrases. I mean, you expect it. Schwarzenegger is going to have catchphrases. Uh, catchphrases. That's just that's just who he is, and who you expect him to be to a certain extent in a movie. But this, this is not the place. Not like that. Cool off. You know, just like, no, no. The little ice skating thing, ice skating warriors that they had in the... Yeah, it was bad. Elle McPherson was not the wife. No. She was somebody else. No. Um, But, I mean, even to the point where they put the equivalent of a credit card commercial in the middle of the movie, where Batman has to pay for something, he pulls out his Bat Visa or something... I'm going I'm a little fuzzy on that one. It was so bad, I want to forget it. But it aims it at the camera, like breaks fourth wall. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. Oh, brain's leaking out of my ears. It's, it's like when you watch Wayne's World, uh, where they turn everything black and white, and he looks at the camera, and he's like, he's got the bottle of Nuprin. Yeah. It's like, it, it's funny, because it was supposed to be funny. But yeah. in this movie... Oh, little well, yellow, different. Well, they, they, I know they had to do. Well, of course they did it on purpose, but why? It, it doesn't fit. What are you doing? Needed that funding. Oh, I guess. All right, so we're just going to skip that. I'm not going to go through the plot on that. Yeah, we got enough. It, of that. It's the stuff that you would normally expect out of this, but um, but way worse. But way worse. But let's end on a high note. 
1997, there was one fantastic comic book movie. Now, some people know this is a comic book movie. Some, a lot of people still don't. But uh, coming off of uh, a, a really strong performance in Independence Day, uh, you got a Will Smith that needs a vehicle. What does he get? He gets Men in Black. Big Willie style. Oh, my Lord. Uh, that was a 1990 comic book by Sandy Carruthers and uh, Lowell Cunningham. And it's fantastic. That movie is just really, really fun. I mean, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's light, you know, lighthearted. It's got good action. It's got great dialogue. Everybody plays off of each other really well. I was going to say, good, good rapport amongst the actors and actresses in the movie. The CGI and the practical effects. I mean, like we said, it's 97, so it's not going to be amazing. But they did good. They did, they did about as good as you can get in that era. Yeah. So, okay. So, if you are not familiar with this, first of all, where have you been? But... Uh, especially since there's going to be a Men in Black sequel that contains, like, nobody from the original films yeah. uh, coming out here shortly. As of this recording in February of 2019, for whenever we actually put this up on the air. Um, so, yeah, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, which is glad to see him in this instead of being Two-Face in that other Batman film that was also not good. Mm-hmm. Uh Linda Fiorentino uh, playing the love interest slash damsel in distress slash I'm actually capable stop yeah that sort of thing yeah like a little bit of everything uh, a little oh, bit of everything the mortician if you will yeah so I love her and, and tons of stuff she's 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 super good um, Vincent D'Onofrio who had such a great turn as Kingpin and the more recent Marvel stuff but. Uh, playing the playing a, a redneck and then a redneck inhabited by a giant cockroach, which is just great. Yeah, he was he was pretty hot in that time frame too, wasn't he? Well, this was right before he went on to um, um, about said special victims unit. Uh, the other one that's not special victims unit that was before. Uh, well, didn't he, he did that one movie with uh, J Lo too? he was they had to put on the, the red suits and then they went into his mind because he was like the killer I'm not remembering that one I'm just going to have to believe you I must have missed it I'll let you look that up yes while I talk about other things to cover that you are looking it up but uh, you know you got Rip Torn as the head of the, the MIB the, yes which how could you get a better casting for that it's He's he's got gruff down, but he's also just so naturally funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he yeah he's good. Yeah. It's still hard not to think of dodgeball when you see him, but the cell, the cell. Oh yeah, yeah. I never watched that one. I well, I sort of did. Uh, I got like thirty minutes in and I just stopped caring. Yeah, That's why I didn't remember that one. It's supposed to be creepy and stylized and stuff. It was just meh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got Rip Torn, you got Tony Shalhoub, 
who plays a, uh, a role that goes into multiple of the, the Men in Black films. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm spacing the name of the guy. I meant to write this down, and I feel awful because as a comedian, he is one of my favorites, but I'm just having an elderly mental moment here. But uh, he plays the, uh, the, the, the guy at the morgue that is swatting bugs when the, the bug comes in and gets... Stuck to the top of the, uh, the ceiling. Uh, David, uh, David Cross? Yes, yep. David Cross. I can't believe I forgot his name. I feel feel terrible. David, if you are hearing this, please don't be mad at me. I love you and everything. Please be my friend. Because um, he was actually in the second one as well. And he's uh, <clears throat> he's he's been so good in so many different things. My favorite, they, uh, they, they did this parody. Well, it's not even a parody. But uh, they did this uh, send-up when when poker became super white-hot popular. Uh, they did a movie, Woody Harrelson and him and a bunch of other people called The Grand. And it's just making fun of the whole poker thing. And he is so dead on uh, in that. If I remember correctly, he's being like the, the Phil Hellmuth character in that film. And it's... He's so good in everything. I love I love seeing him and stuff. Scary movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's just kind of fantastic. And the plot is so good too. I mean, it's 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 simple, it's linear, it it gives time for the characters to develop. And this is something I'll harp on every time. For me, for a movie to be good generally, not always, but generally, there has to be character development. And so many movies have a hard time doing that because, first of all, you only have two hours, maybe, unless you're like Lord of the Rings or some of the new Marvel movies that start tipping the scale at three or or so. Sprinkling an extra 20 minutes at best, you know. But you see actual character progression for Will Smith's character from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. I mean, there are elements that stay the same, but he actually makes progress. You see character development for Tommy Lee Jones's character, you get little hints of what he's going to be doing, foreshadowing. I mean, all that's in there. I mean, yeah, Rip Torn is Rip Torn throughout the whole film, but he's not one of the main characters. You're really only looking at three characters. Uh, you know, those two guys and... Uh, yeah, uh, Character development. Yeah. Unlike character. Blade 2. Now stop it. Linda Fiorentino. Sorry, it took me a second to, to, to bring it back to mind. But, uh, yeah, because so. she kind of... Has an evolution. Yes, she does. I mean, and they they just did fantastic. If you've never seen this film, first of all, I don't believe you. You're lying. You've seen it. I don't know what you're talking about. But if you haven't, go see it. I mean, you might have even heard the soundtrack from it. (laughs) Probably so. Considering uh, the the music that sampled was uh, 70s music to, to make it, and it was already good, but eh, I, I, I can't I can't be too mad at Will Smith's rendition all right that's the men in that's the men in so yeah so that's 1997 one really good movie <laughs> and one or two that are kind of okay mm. and then a lot of just they got a budget all right so as the years go on things get better right well sort of Ooh. in uh, 1998 we just had a Casper we've got another Casper so you had the first Casper movie that came out. It had fairly strong theatrical, you know, uh, 
release and it had some good reaction. Then the one we talked about in 97, a little less of a reaction. Third one went straight to video. Uh, Casper meets Wendy. Yeah, just uh, dipping in the well too much. Now, here's the thing, though. We were talking about this a little before we started recording, too. Some of these films, like this one I also didn't see, have a ridiculous cast. I mean, I, I was uh, when I was looking at it, uh, putting the lists together, it's, it's amazing, the people, that they get to be in this. I mean, you've got Shelley Duvall in this, which I would never have expected. I mean, you know, if you've not seen The Shining, her performance uh, was fantastic, and she was tortured in the making of the film so that she would appear that she was tortured in the film, which is kind of awful when you think about it. But regardless, her performance was great. And she's, you know, an iconic person. You got Terry Garr, who was in Young Frankenstein and Tootsie. Did you ever see Young Frankenstein? I'm going to say no. What? Oh, God. You got, okay. I, I, sorry, that reaction I, I probably shouldn't have had. You, if you haven't seen that, you have to see it. Mel Brooks is is when he's on, he's on, and that film is fantastic. The the whole the whole dancing scene. Oh my lord! Okay, you will you will laugh hysterically. I promise. Watch Young Frankenstein, but uh, uh, Tootsie, yeah, it was okay. A lot of people think it was really funny. I watched it through and I laughed maybe twice. For a comedy, that's probably not good. Didn't, uh, gosh, wasn't he nominated for uh, an Oscar for Tootsie? Yeah. Am, I thinking, am I thinking wrong I on that? I believe so. No, I think Hoffman was nominated. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was not that good. Yeah. Um, George Hamilton was in it. Uh, Hilary Duff. Uh, Richard Mall. Now, Vincent Schiavelli. I cannot talk about this dude enough he's he's one of my favorites to see pop up in any film he's got a very iconic look you can't miss him uh he yeah i've been doing a, a rewatch of uh angel and buffy the vampire slayer he has a very small bit part in in uh buffy uh season three two or three but he, he plays a gypsy in that. But no, but so the fun stuff, I mean, he's got so many little bit roles. The really angry ghost in the film, Ghost, Patrick Swayze, fights him on the train. That's him, if you haven't seen it. Or Death to Smoochie, the former kids show host turned to assassin hooked on heroin. Oh, my God. It's, he's so funny. <laughs> falls asleep in the middle of an assassination. Uh, it's just kind of fantastic. I have to imagine that he was probably pretty good in this. Um, That's funny. Michael McDonald, who was on Mad TV, always funny on that, is in this. Uh, Alan Thicke, who was in every 80s television uh, made-for-TV movie and television show you would think ever uh, was in this. Uh, didn't he host something, too, at one point? Um... Wasn't he uh, like a video everybody loved? I heard made funny America's funniest. Some, I thought he videos. did something. Did like he do that. that? I thought he did that. Maybe. He maybe. If if he didn't do it, it, it feels like he should have. Um, I think he did. Even, like the original iteration of that show. That was my memory. But like even Polly Short did voice work for this film. So I mean, it's kind of it's crazy the number of people that are in this film that I have never seen that went direct to to video. They had to know it was going direct to video. Casper. I mean, it's just 
these these Casper producers must have the inside track, you know. Yeah, yeah. Know where the bodies are buried or something. But man, what a cast! I have no idea what the plot is, but I'm assuming since it's Casper uh, meeting Wendy, Wendy is a witch. I'm hoping that there's some magic hijinks that go on. But other than that, eh. Hijinks ensue. You ever watch this one? No. All right, so next. <laughs> uh, let's go on to another movie neither of us watched. Ooh. Uh, Richie Rich's Christmas Wish. So not only is it a Richie Rich film, which would at that time I would never have watched, it's a Christmas film, which would mean that I would have thrown it through a window. Uh, yeah, I, no. There's no way. And they cast David Gallagher as Richie Rich. Now, if you've ever watched Seventh Heaven, he was the little kid in Seventh Heaven. Oh, that that's like a trilogy of just no, no. There's nothing wrong with that actor. He's, he's fine, but oh, it's just all bad. Uh, but it did have Eugene Levy as the, the main antagonist in that, which is the only thing that would make me go, I kind of want to see it now. Yeah, because he's cool. He is he is good in everything. I mean, you you do love your Canadians though. It, he's funny, darn it. I mean, would would American Pie have been American Pie without Eugene Levy? Oh no, no, he's good in everything he's in. But oh, jeez, oh Pete. But uh, Martin Mull and Leslie Ann Warren were both uh, in this, and they were both in Clue which uh, is another film that's just fantastic that had Michael McKean in it. So we've talked about three actors that have all been in Clue that were in these movies thus far. Um, Marla Maples, Michelle Trachtenberg. I was talking about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, I mean, interesting. Not really worth talking about anymore. No. No. Uh, why don't you introduce, because I know this next film is probably your favorite <laughs> in this particular list. Yes, uh, for one reason. Germans love David Hasselhoff. Yes, they do. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, this was not a theatrical release. No. It was TV. But um, can you imagine Hasselhoff as Nick Fury? I mean, we've all gotten spoiled. With Samuel L. Jackson. Well, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, Nick Fury originally was a white, old, grumpy man with an eye patch. <laughs> yes, he was. So, like, this is the original iteration of that character. But David Hasselhoff? No. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting choice. Uh, I, I have seen little bits of this, and it's, it is cheesy goodness. It is it is bad in all the right kinds of ways. Um, now, for those of you that don't know, Nick Fury was not always with S.H.I.E.L.D. Originally, he was just a war guy. The character was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee in 1963, and he was, at that point, Sergeant Fury mm. in the Howling Commandos. Oh, okay. So he didn't go into S.H.I.E.L.D. until later. But... Uh, you know, kind of the same kind of gruff character. I'm going to lead you all out of the war because, you know, yeah, the war was going on at the time. But uh, Lisa Renna was in this. I mean, she was in like every episode of Days of Our Lives. 304 episodes of that show. That's like a year of Days of Our Lives. Does that, that air daily? <laughs> daily, yes. So five days a week. Trust me, my mom had it on a VCR recording daily. Automatic. Oh, my word. So you got Sandra Hess, 
uh, who was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Our previous episode, we talked about several people that were in the Mortal Kombat films. I'm not under I'm not understanding exactly where this crossover is coming from, where these people are sharing uh, these types of films, but. She wasn't just in that. She was also in Encino Man as one of the, uh, one of the, um, if I remember correctly, she was like at the beginning when when you're finding out what the Neanderthal or whatever was like, the girl that he was with was her. <laughs> That's digging deep. <laughs> it is digging deep. But uh, so uh, I could be wrong about that. She could have been one of the girls that liked him. But it's been a long time since I've seen that film. So it's gone now. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, Gary Chalk. Uh, I need you to, as a listener, look up Gary Chalk in IMDb. As soon as you see his face, you should recognize him. He's been in almost 400 different things. He's in everything. Busy man. Yeah. Uh, Tom McBeath, who was... uh, who was in Stargate SG-1 as one of my favorite characters. Well, antagonists anyway. Kind of a recurring smarmy colonel. Uh, Ron Canada. Uh, Wedding Crashers, if you've seen that movie. He was the uh, he was the person that kept uh, the house running on the island that they went to. Which was pretty funny. But he's been a bunch of different stuff too. He's also in like 200 different things. Is it me or does that sound like a, uh, a porn name? Or an alcohol. Ron Canada. Ron Canada Gin. Yes, yes. <laughs> Smooth, cool, refreshing. So anyway, if you haven't seen it, it is cheesy. Again, I'm not going to talk about the plot because it's really irrelevant. And we're already running up uh, running up on the time frame. I'm going to try and move us through because I want to get us through all these years where there's not a lot of good stuff to talk about so that we will talk about one year at a time. Yeah. Maybe. We got a couple decent, well, well one. <laughs> one decent one coming yeah. up. So. Well, Blade, Blade is good. Yes, that's the uh, that's, that's the, the next one. one. So the the last one in 1998, and I think by far the best one in 1998, at least. Uh, uh, you've got Blade, who was uh, created by Gene Colan and Marv Wolfman in 1973. Uh, Tomb of Dracula actually was the comic that that he was in first, but uh, so. What's better than a vampire hunter? A vampire hunter that's part vampire and is kind of also a throwback to the 70s black exploitation kind of feel. The uh, daywalker. Oh, yeah. If you if you ever see his original art rendition, uh, the Wesley Snipes blade is smooth, sleek, you know, just strong. The blade in the comics had an afro and no color coordination. At least at first. At first. And eventually he went to kind of the look that Wesley Snipes used, which was a much better design. Clean, uh, always had some sunnies on, maybe the long oh yeah, trench coat type look. He was always kind of interesting in the beginning of the comics, but he didn't become awesome until like the late 80s, early 90s, when they really kind of revamped his character and made him... Made him kind of like the Punisher that hates supernatural things, and it was, it was a good makeover. It was the best thing they could have done, and it's a really fun character because of it. Uh, and that that film, I mean Wesley Snipes, that he was already a super action star at that point, 
and he could not have personified a, a character better than this. I, I got to think when you when you envision a character, like when you say Batman, you think of maybe Michael Keaton or you think of Christian Bale as that character. I mean, you, you don't think as you don't think Ben Affleck as that character. But um, I think when you think of Blade, you think of Wesley Snipes as that character. Just plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, he was just awesome. And having uh, Chris Christopherson be Whistler, I mean, I like Chris Christopherson. He's he's kind of a soft spot for me. He's the one of those guys that's kind of the same guy in every film, but it's okay. Take you back to your his A Star Is Born days. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there's that. But you also have Stephen Dorff in this as the the main villain. Which he was really good in this movie. He was so good in this movie. I mean, I mean, if you if for those of you that are watching current stuff, he's in uh, the new version of uh, True Detective, which I have not watched yet. But from everything I've heard, is just fantastic. And Season three, maybe I don't know, but he it, it's a lot of it's up to him is why it's so good is he's just nailed it. Hmm. Now I'm going to go into something that's slightly not family friendly here. Uh, a story about Stephen Dorff and his his acting chops. Dorff with two Fs. Yeah. Um, there was a movie that he was in that required an intimate scene with a young lady. And somebody bursting in, I think, on him at that point. And you know how a lot of times actors will want to give you different takes on dialogue. He went to the above and beyond and says, well, how do we want to do this? How excited am I in the process of this when we decouple? (laughs) Do you want me to be very excited? Do you want me to be not excited at all? Or kind of halfway in between? (laughs) It's like, really? Hey, method actor. That is just dedication right there and I uh, my hats off to him for that one. I just that I I wonder if that's a true story or not. If if it's not a true story, whoever made that is is a captain of of storytelling cuz I'll believe it. And I'll attribute it to Stephen Dorff forever. That's thinking with your dipstick, Jimmy. <laughs> but also Donald Logue is in this, who's in Gotham, right? Uh, Donald Logue is Cool. Yes, he is. He he was able to carry his own TV show for a little while. You yes, know, a few he was seasons. grounded for life. Um, and he's he's been in a few movies as you know, not the main character, of course, but as that as him. You know, like he kind of has the same yeah. same ish type characters. The TV show is nothing. I feel like what you see him in a lot of movies no, as. No. Um, so y- you know he can go. He he can pull different directions as far as his acting can go. But he, he he's pretty solid. I like him pretty much anything he's in. And of course you got Udo Kier in this. Um, he's he's very recognizable when you see him. He's been in, in quite a few things. I actually just watched him in Downsizing the other day, but he has a he has a very uh very uh very recognizable look. That was, and he was also kind of one of the bad guys in it. And you got Tracy Lords as a vampire in this. Tracy Lords is very well known for certain types of movies earlier in her career. And then the classy kind. Yeah. Um, 
and then went to more television and regular movie stuff and is one of the few individuals to have done that that did so fairly successfully. Um, she actually has been in a lot of uh, regular television and theatrical releases, and she's generally pretty good in anything that she's in. Um, now, but she's got her roots in knocking boots. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're not going to get too deep into that because there's some really wrong territory there too. But. Uh, but like I said, in the stuff that she's been, she actually was in the Highlander television series in an episode, and she's she's been she's never like the primary person to my memory, and at least not anything that I can think of. But in her secondary roles, she she does good. Mm-hmm. So I mean, eh, couldn't be too unhappy with that. She's the one that in this movie that that lures the unsuspecting gentleman into the bloodbath at the beginning of the film. Now. Uh, I will say one last thing about Blade. When you watch it, if you haven't watched it before, don't don't think too hard about the plot. There are quite a few holes. But as an action movie with with a lot of g- sort of gore, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, um, classic. Ooh. Um, we discussed a bit about, you know, classic 80s action movies. This one might just be a, your classic 90s action movie. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's, solid. It's top tier for sure. I mean, he he can yeah. I'm not even I I don't even have words. The the action sequences in it, the one on many fights against the vampires, the he has one of his students when they're in the uh, the room full of the parchments hanging in the glass. The the kid that's the vampire, if I remember it correctly, anyway, is one of his students from his dojo or something, and she. She did well enough that he wanted her in the film, and so I, that was kind of that was kind of cool, you know, mm-hmm. just that little bit. So, um, so anyway, so that was 1998. We're almost done. You know why? Because there's not much in 1999 in terms of comic book stuff. There's only two comic book movies that came out in '99. Probably the lowest point in in current history in terms of numbers uh, and quality. Oh, 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 that's not fair. I would take these two movies over pretty much all of the other movies in the in the previous years that we talked about. I mean, seriously. Well, well you, you tell no, us, listener. And not Men in Black. Well, and not, not Blade. Not Men in Black and Blade, but any of, pretty much any of the other ones. Yeah. Um, so, Virus, 1999. Actually, based off of a graphic novel from Dark Horse, uh, Howard Cobb and Chuck Farrer. I'm going to assume it's Farrer because there's a P and an F together, and that throws me off. Um, But uh, this is the whole concept is you get this little tugboat that goes out to sea and finds a Russian ship, and they board it, and there's an alien on the Russian ship. And it thinks that they are a virus and wants to kill them. Okay. That's pretty much the whole plot. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of the standard sci-fi pseudo sort of horror. Not really uh, more sci-fi than horror kind of thing. You got Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Sutherland. I mean, solid. William Baldwin. Mm, there are Baldwins are everywhere. Yeah. Joanna Pacula. Nah, she was in Tombstone. 
Uh, that's the one thing. That's the only reason I put her name on there because I thought it was kind of cool. Tombstone, one of my favorite movies. But uh, she was um, she was Doc Holliday's uh, woman that kind of went around with him. Kate. If I, yeah. Who was not wearing a bustle. Yeah. Yeah. So, actually, the movie was solid. The graphic novel is solid. I mean, it's it's. Now, why does it have to be a Russian ship? I mean, that's just... Because we're Americans, man. All bad things happen on other people's ships, not ours. Hmm. Unless you're like the Exxon Valdez or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Trapped at sea in a Russian tanker. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're not really going to go into that too terribly deep. We're going to finish on a high note because we're getting close to that one-hour mark. Um. This next film is one of my favorite half of films that I saw in terms of comic book movies. And, and we've talked about this before off of air. But the, the way the film was put together, it was so incredible in the setup. And it just kind of petered out mm-hmm. in the second half just a little bit. It, a little bit of a letdown. Like it didn't know how to end, possibly, whatever. But uh, Mystery Men, 1999. So you watched this, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So did you know when you watched this, or even a little after, that it was based on a comic called "The Flaming Carrot"? Not that it was called that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I had a pretty good understanding that it was based on a comic, but in, you know, with no history or background on what it was and no way to Google it either. So. Maybe it would be more accurate to say that it was based on kind of that world. Cause obviously the flaming carrot never shows up, but it's the, that's, that's the whole idea. Uh, comics. If the people's powers were awful. Uh, <laughs> hey, the spleen's got some uh, good power though. Yeah. But this one actually goes back some cause the comic came out in 1979. Uh, so it's uh Bob Burden, is, is the guy that kind of created it in the first place. But uh, you got, what a cast. I mean, Ben Stiller was on fire at this point. I mean, he could not touch something that would fail. Yeah. Well, financially, anyway. Right. Yes. Uh, and, you know, you've got Hank Azaria, who's, well, he may be the master of silverware in the, in the movie, but he is the master of voices forever. I mean, it's hard not to think of all the stuff that he did for The Simpsons. Still does for The and, Simpsons. And the dude is ripped, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with anything. But. No, no, just kind of surprising. Janine Garofalo, who was really popular, or maybe maybe towards the end of her popularity. Well, that's not. That makes it sound like she has no following now, which is not entirely accurate. Yeah. But she, you know, a lot of times actors and comedians will have that spike. Well, she was toward the end of that spike where she was really popular. You know, she was in Dogma and she was in a, a, a bunch of other stuff. And she was in Half Baked for like a little little snippet. And I, I always thought she was quite funny. I, I she of of the female comedians, she's she's one of my favorites. Um, now you Although said, I'm sure I'll get raked for saying female comedians, but uh, comedians that are women. Comedians that aren't dudes? Yeah, whatever. I really like her. She's funny. Uh, so, And you were saying Ben Stiller was on a hot streak. 
he had a lot of movies that he um, starred in, but he also, you know, dipped his hand in production a lot. He did some directing. Obviously, he made some really good choices, but a really bad choice um, when it came to you know Cable Guy, for example, which is an amazing movie. Yeah, he just did some. He just did one casting choice that was blatantly incorrect. But yeah. other than that, you know, I mean, I don't see, I don't see why that he couldn't just have my favorite actor in there twice. I mean, you don't really need anybody but him to make that movie work so we're going to move on uh talking about underappreciated actors well not anymore maybe but william h macy at this time was still kind of like that character actor that you that you didn't see in a lot of stuff and i always loved him in everything and maybe what do you think it was fargo that really kind of propelled him out of that Probably just because not like Fargo made a lot of money, but it was a very well received, yeah, and directed by obviously really good directors too. So I think that kind of about <laughs> the shoveler. Oh, I just it's too much. You've got uh, uh, Kel Mitchell. So when Keenan and Kel was really popular, Nickel- Nickelodeon is that right? I don't remember some kids' channel. So Keenan and Kel was really popular. And they split, and one of them did this movie, and the other one has been on Saturday Night Live forever. <laughs> I, I tend to think maybe maybe one's uh, career path had a little more more um, shine to it. Uh, the funny thing is, they're both funny, and it's just funny in their own way. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like watching a tag team of wrestling split up. You know, one's going to become really popular, and the other one is not. Almost always. And it almost has nothing to do with how good they are. It's yeah, just, someone just people just tend to gravitate towards one or the other. You know. Yeah, it's just it's just weird like that. Um, Paul Rubens, of course. You know, uh, there's just nothing to say. He's kind of funny no matter what he does. Um, Wes Studi. Now he was a weird one. He was the Sphinx in this film, but he was in like. Last of the Mohicans, mm-hmm. Avatar, and Heat. Oh, he's in a lot of stuff. He is awesome. We actually have um, we have discussed doing another. Hey, let's watch this movie and review it. Yeah. And Last of the Mohicans was one of those because you haven't seen that I movie. I have not seen that movie. That that's got a lot. There's a lot to like in that movie. Now there's some like some spots that are are weak in certain areas, but all in all, that's a really good movie. Yeah. But of course, you got Eddie Izzard, who is always funny and everything. If you haven't seen his stand up, he's fantastic. He's one of the disco brothers. <laughs> Just kind of, kind of awesome. Uh, he has a great bit in the uh, Oceans films too. Uh, Jeffrey Rush. Now Jeffrey Rush plays Casanova Frankenstein in this film. And does a great job just hamming it up and just being completely ridiculous. Mm. But I would forgive you if you didn't recognize that he was also Barbosa in the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Rush is, I think that's what a lot of people probably know him from. Exactly. If I had to guess. Um, But he's been tons of stuff. He's been in so many things. It's generally awesome. You got Artie Lang. I think also another Mad TV alum. Yeah. Uh, the musician, 
the musician Tom Waits. Tom Waits was in it. Was was he? He um, did the. Was he like the builder or the constructor? Or like he had the material to make things. Is that what his character was in this? Yeah, That's I seem right. to remember that was that was accurate. Um, Claire Forlani was in it, and then I'm missing somebody. Um, Captain Amazing. Yeah, Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Good lord, that as. Uh, as someone that's only in the film for such a small amount of time, just a little bit, just totally steals the film, the whole thing, and just shows how awesome Greg Kinnear is. I will watch him for for sure. Any movie he comes out in, I will see because he he's just great in everything. Even if the movie is not great, he tends to do really really well, um, and that may just be me, you know. I'm not as high on him as you are, but I really, I, I like him. I, I do like him, but I'm not. Marking out. That was the word. I was going with another wrestling phrase, marking out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I'll see him. <laughs> he was kind of awesome. Um, so, yeah, the the movie starts. You get kind of a semi-traditional comic book movie intro, but then it just kind of goes crazy from there. And the crazy works up until they have to go after Casanova Frankenstein on their own. And that just kind of doesn't quite work anymore. Yeah, like it's, I don't know. <sighs> buzzy. Buzzy did buzz. It is not buzzy buzz. I, I did not check my messages or anything right now. Never happened. I would, I would <laughs> never, <laughs> never do that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm quite sorry. I, I, I saw the time and I knew there was a limited amount of time. I had to check it real quick. It's, it's super important. I swear. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's twelve minutes till midnight. So there's, there's a short time there's frame. There's a here. short time frame. But okay, so that was the last of 1999. Right before the Y2K bug was going to just destroy everything. Um, and it did. Yeah, we're actually just a, a dream of some computer that's just failing right now. Too many ones and zeros. But uh, so yeah, uh, I swear things get better for comic book movies. You've seen them. You know what happens. Um, we have a couple more years before that occurs. Before it gets, let's let's say consistently, yeah, better or num like the number of them. Yeah, it, it it it'll take a little while. Our probably our next episode where we go over two thousand and two thousand one. I expect will probably be the last one like this where we're gonna. We're, there's going to be some stinkers in there. But uh, then we're going to have to kind of break things down slower. We'll probably go, like I said, at most a year at a time. And we'll really start to unpack some of these films. But hopefully you learned some stuff. Hopefully it was interesting. Uh, and if we got anything wrong, if you think we missed something, if you think that uh, we should alter our format, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever you think, we want feedback. Let us know. We're on Facebook, Real Pudding Guys. We're on Twitter, at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we are on the interwebs, www.everybodylovespudding.com, on the forums. I mean, you, you know this. You've listened to us. Uh, let us know what you think. We definitely would uh, love to get some feedback from you. Yeah, and it's guys, G-U-I-S, not guys, G-U-I-S-E. Exactly, exactly. 
Uh, but until next time, where we uh, assault you with our next set of movies that are maybe not quite as good as we hoped they would be, eat lots of pudding. Or um, is it tapioca? Or is it uh, chocolate? Or is it banana? Or is it banana with the vanilla wafers in it? Uh, you lost me, but that all sounds delicious, and I want to go eat something now. Let's do that. <laughs> 